Nothing Underneath Podcast, your number one sex podcast sharing the sex stories of everyday Africans. I am your host, Onyango Otieno. You can call me Rex. Welcome to episode four. If you're new here, we love sex. So far, I'm having the time of my life. Some of you have been telling me you are pleasuring yourself to the stories you're listening here. Hey, especially from episode 3. Ah, me, even me, I suffered. <laughs> even me, I suffered. Like that massage parlor story. Problems all over the place. Now, ever since I was a child, I had a knack for curiosity. I wanted to understand life. I wanted to understand my environment. I wanted to understand culture. Perhaps it helped that my parents were teachers and so there was a way I was exposed to knowledge in a different form than your everyday pupil or student for that matter. <laughs> Maybe it also helps that I have the air element being a Gemini and it so happens that my dad is also a Gemini which probably is one of the reasons I am fascinated by how sometimes his brain works when he's thinking through things much as we are not in talking terms. Anywho, anybody who went to school with me primary school, secondary school, some parts of university, anybody who I think I've met in my life will tell you there was something different about that guy. He he had something different and I've never lost that thing. There's a beauty that I bring to this world that has its own uniqueness and it's only expressed in the way that I know it. It's in my voice. It's in my intelligence. It's in my nuances. It's in all of those things that make me who I am. In the context of today's conversation, I definitely have been vocal about growing up in church and being really limited in my exposure to sex and sex conversations. One among them is uh, homosexuality just not having space to discuss it, never having space to understand it, never having any consciousness around the probability of growing up with friends who felt like they were gay. They didn't know how to tell anybody about that. You know what I mean? The more I've grown up, the more I see how difficult it must be for children who feel different about themselves, about their body, and they do not see representations of themselves in culture, in media, in conversations, in uh, also instruments of power. And yet they struggle again so much to fit into these very limited social structures that have been built here because of what politics is today. The story we are hearing today is all the way from Zimbabwe of a man who found himself loving men, is a father, a Christian, and tell you what, this is something you want to listen to. I love experimenting. I'm not scared of trying new things. I enjoy sex. To me, it's like art. It's like I'm exploring certain levels that I've never been to. It's like I'm showcasing what I'm good at. Maybe it's because I started having sex at a younger age. So I've encountered a lot of things. I've seen so many sexual styles. By looking at a person, I know what a person wants. It's all about 
me showcasing what I have and also about me wanting to be in control. It's like when I'm doing it, when I'm having sex, it's like sometimes I don't believe it's me doing this. I'm turning 28 tomorrow. I'm gay. I'm a father of three. I'm also a sex worker. I sell sex to men, mostly. With my kind of situation, I didn't have finances. I started selling sex and getting certain things in change to be clothes, cell phones, airtime, money, or even someone taking me out to a club so that people can just see me there. At the age of 16, I had my friends. They were also gay. We discussed about it. We were, we were never secretive. We told each other everything. So a group of us, it was five of us, so we just said, no, for selling sex, this is what you have to do, this is what you don't have to do. So, by discussing, you learn from others. Being the youngest, because others were already 18 and 19, I was the youngest then, so they were telling me, no, you don't have to do it for fun, you don't have to fall in love. In this game, there's no love. It's just sex and money, or other gifts that you get. So, they were telling me and guiding me. In the space of eight months, I was more of a professional than my teachers. Because I was young, men liked me because they thought I was innocent, I didn't know much. Basically, that's how I got experience because I was too intelligent, too clever, I was too forward. I would, I would always go forward, a step ahead. I, 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 I had my moments of being taken advantage of, but most of the times I was one taking advantage. At the age of 17, I was now a professional prostitute, male prostitute, gay sex worker, to be precise. Uh, my father, he had commitment issues. He couldn't commit to one woman. So he had me, my brother, my brother, my brother, five of us, five of us, we all have five different mothers. So I never grew up with my father. But also, I would like to think that I don't know if this really works, but it's something that people in Zimbabwe usually say that if a boy grows up without a father, he becomes gay because you'll be looking for love from other men. To me, it's kind of like that because I started really having a strong relationship with my father when I was 15. And by then, I told myself in my mind that he was never there for me, why now? He has never told me that he loves me or he has never played soccer with me. He has never told me that's a woman, you should love a woman. I grew up in a house full of women. I was the only boy. My mother's side, my mother's own one who had a boy. The other ones are just girls. So, also growing up in a house full of women, they were talking about boyfriends. No one was talking about, you, you should get a girlfriend. But they would all come to me, my boyfriend did this to me, bought me this. He said, if men can do that. And also, I like the idea of talking about men. So what is that you do? What is that they give you? So what is that you do so that you can solve these things? So also growing up in a house full of sisters and cousins, I was exposed to men more than women, to liking men more than liking women. I didn't have a hard life growing up. My mother was a single parent. 
but she made sure that I got everything that I wanted. I would like to say, I don't want to lie about that. She got married when I was 12. The husband she got married to was a good man. He took care of me like I was his own my stepfather currently. But the idea of not growing up, you know, even if you have got a stepfather who's so good and all, there's that kind of love that you'll be looking for, that kind of attention from your father. But if you can't get it, you try to look for it somewhere else. Even if I try to get close to him, you know, in our culture, you can, there's no way you can just sit down near my friends. I love you, you know, that dead. And then you say, you know, I love you too. It's those kind of feelings that you just bottle inside. So by me going to date other men, I would say it freely. I love you. You say, I love you too. He said, oh, this is nice. And also that also not being close to my father also contributed to the idea of me liking older men. Because I thought maybe if I get them, I'm, I'll get that father love that I didn't get. So, you see, there's so many things that contributed to me. Maybe there are chances many way by I would have been straight. I did like girls growing up. To me, it was, I, I, I liked myself, so no, I have to date them, so for, for cover up. But it wasn't really for cover up, it was for me just saying, no, I just want to do it to spite them. Getting girls pregnant, it was a way of saying, I want your attention. But did I get it? No. I had a situational relationship with a girl. I think she's also secretly lesbian because we had sex for almost two months. We had our first baby, a girl. And then I told her straight, no, I don't like you. I mean, two guys. She said, I don't even like you. I just wanted a child. I moved to Harare. I met another girl. I never told her about my sexuality. We were always fighting. She got pregnant. At first, it was okay. But later on, we were always fighting. We never agreed on anything. We had our second child. We broke up. Then, one uh, when I visited Gweru, uh, it was in 2014. No, it was 2013 after my second child. I met my baby mama, the first one. They said, now I need a second child. No strings attached. Just give me a second child. I just, I just want children with one man. Then we just slept together once and then she got pregnant. Then my father also found out that I got her pregnant and he was furious. And then he went and took my second wife and brought her here. That made me more mad. And then we had a fight. We, did, we didn't speak for almost a year. We recently started speaking this year in 2015 when he wanted to see the kids. Because I said, you're not in my life. You said you want anything to do with me. So I don't want you near my children. So when 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 my wife, my second wife, came back, we had a huge fight about me going out clubbing. Then she paid, she left. What I left. Then when as she was speaking, said, "I'm going to go, but I'm not going to go with your child." I said, "Wow, that's the greatest news ever. You can leave my child. You can go." I have my sister, she stays in Gweru, she's been married for 16 years, she never had a child, she was happy to hear that, the, the, the kind of, that kind of news, she's now the mother of my child, she doesn't even want my child to come here because she's afraid if I take her, I will not give her back, so you see, in a situation where I grew up, 
I know who I am, but I'm kind of traumatized. I'm kind of abused, family-wise, because they are still expecting to see me married, which is something that I'm not comfortable doing. My father is now exposed to who I am. They are not close with my mother. They only talk. Maybe something happens to me, but they, I don't think my father told my mother about my sexuality. I'm not imitating anyone or someone has taught me to be gay or to sex sex to men. It's someone I've always known. I've never been in denial. I've always known I like men. I I I want I want to have a family with a man. So, growing up, yes, I was kind of firm, but now I'm old enough. I'm old enough to listen to what my most of my clients say. No, I really want to go out with you, but look, you are too girlish. Can't you man up so I can go out with you? So, by taking notes, hearing what all of them say, say, okay, fine. If they can like me the way I am, being man. Because, like, the other one that I heard last week, Saturday, said, if you want to be with a woman, I'll be with a woman. So why act like a woman? I want to be with a man, act like a man. Because I want to be with a man. So, it's something that I've realized that it's what they want. They want to go out with you in public, pretending a young brother or a cousin or someone who just visited, without raising anyone's eyebrows. Because we're in a community whereby it's not even accepted. It's, it's the worst thing according to men. They can say you pay a murder and kill a gay man. They don't understand it yet. Though some are now understanding due to the, the kind of programs you're watching on DSTV and stuff, they're kind of getting used to it. But it's not everyone that you encounter. Like, my mother was always glued to the TV. If you ask her, so what happened today? She can go on and on. The boyfriend and this boyfriend, this boy and this boy broke up. It's so sad. Those two are in love. But for me to open up to my mom and say, this is who I am. The moment I was caught up, I was caught at home with a boy kissing. In our tradition, they say, yeah, it's like, it's like you're possessed like a dead aunt. Yes, possessed your body. That's why you're acting like, that's why you like men. So the moment they caught up, they, 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 they caught me kissing a guy. I was talking to the apostolic faith. I was took, I was taken to the witch doctors, to these spirit churches, the prophet churches, kind of churches. The kind of things that I faced today, uh, the first one was, um, it, um, it was a prophet, these apost- these Pentecostal churches. You are praying, nothing came out of me. So for me to act as if I was delivered, I had to fail, fall down. Say, it's out. Thank you, Jesus. So inside I was laughing. Say, thank you, Jesus. For what? Why are you using this man's name? Then when we got home, my aunt, my father's sisters, so are you sure it is really, you no longer have any feelings for me? And said, auntie, I don't like you. That time I showed my own. Nothing has changed. I still like men as ever. It's like he has put some speech in me. I like men more than before. Then she told my mom that's what I said. 
And I said, no, let's go to the White Coming Church. When I got there, he said, no, go to a, to a crossroad. Take the soil there. Then I took the soil. They made me build a man and a woman. Then they joined together. Put a red string. Say, go back to that junction again. Break it. Don't look back. Come here. Become the key straight. When I got there, then the woman said, the spirit is gone. I started laughing there. This, she asked, why are you laughing? Said, what spirit? Nothing is changed. I mean, when I remember your husband, the woman said, I know the spirit in him, there's an aunt, what, what, what? The aunt used to like men, what? Then, she suggested that we go and see a witch doctor. The moment we walked into, uh, into the witch doctor's house, he said, why are you troubling him? This is who he is. What you're trying to do, you're going to hate your child. You're going to meet people who are going to lie to you and destroy your child. They're going to kill him. They're giving him false medicine. He's going to change when he wants. The spirit that he's got likes, he's going to make him who he is. He's going to change him when the time is right. Leave him. Then he gave me, no, she was a woman. But she was called a man. She was called Sekuru. She gave me snuff. So I, I, I took it. I didn't even sneeze. They said, the spirits are happy. Take him back home. Don't ever, ever attempt to look for help anyway. Because if you do, you're going to meet someone who's going to hate your child. Give him all kinds of medicines and some medicines to bad. And then he's going to, yes, the skin disease. That, that will be the end of him. So they listened to her. So you see, we are not only victimized by words. It's about the kind of actions that our families try to take when they find out about your sexuality. Ten days fasting, fasting, praying. No water, dry fasting. Mountain praying. Let's go to the mountain. We went to the mountain. I prayed and fasted for ten days. I came back home as thin as ever. And nothing changed. You saw, you see. So I said to myself, so if I was praying to God and fasting to God and nothing changed, isn't it high time people see this is what God wants me to be? I am a Christian. I believe in God more than anything. I know God exists. Jesus came. He died for us. I believe in the word more than anything. So, I think it's high time the society, or maybe in the the future, the Christian society and the religious society accept. Because if traditional healers, they are the ones who are called the spirit of Zimbabwe, accept that we exist. And if you go to a spiritual healer's house, a woman being called a man, it means they exist. In the Egyptian kingdom, the Egyptian kings slept with men so that if they died, they would succeed them. What's wrong with us now? It's not like we're killing people. It's us expressing who we are. I'm having fun with a man. I'm not forcing someone to do it with me. It's consensual sex. It's me agreeing. Is this what you want? You say yes. Let's go home. Let's do it. If it's money that I want, I'll take. No, I want money. Let's exchange. Exchange ways. We've always been doing it. We're still doing it. You can't just walk into a shop and just take a bag of chips and just walk away. You give the money, 
they'll give you the bag of chips. So I'm giving him satisfaction. He's giving me money. So I can get other services that I want with that money. I can't afford to live that kind of life with the kind of salary that I get. I sell sex. Not for fun. But this is my headquarters. This is my office. This is where I get all the help that I need. All my financial help. This is where my accountants in OA reside. This is who I am. Not all my encounters are bad. Some are fruitful. Some you meet honest people who just really want your services, appreciate them. I do have a set of regulars. I have people that I know that they always contact me. My kind of sex work is not always sex. Sometimes it's just massage. Sometimes it's just talking, listening to his boring day. Sometimes it's just taking a bath together. Sometimes it's just serving beer together. With my kind of clients, it's kind of 50-50. But most of them are married. Most even the white uh, community, the black community, the Indian community. Sometimes it's not about them giving me money. I might need a new phone. I might need groceries. I might need clothes. I might need so many things that I might need from them. We exchange. It's not about them giving me money. They are my clients. We have built a bond of trust. They can just say, I'm traveling to South Africa. I need to go with you. It's a business meeting. Can we go? I'll say, fine, South Africa. Okay, fine. But you are not in Zimbabwe, remember. That's South Africa. I'm going out to work. So I need bush allowance too. So I can do shopping because I'm in South Africa. So it's like you build trust and then they'll get used to you for them to travel with you. So you see, you charge by what he wants and what he wants to do. He might be black and rich. He might be white and not that rich. You might be Indian, you might be colored. <laughs> colored. Yes, it depends, basically. I find most of my clients at the bars and through friends. I've got so much talent that I really want the world to see sexually. So, it's also about having them get addicted to me also. Men are, sorry for saying this, men are kind of stupid in a way that when they are used to you, they can tell you all their family problems. My wife doesn't do this. My wife is lazy. So as a clever person, what I do, I listen to what the wife doesn't do and I do it better. You'll be very excited. So you get hooked. A wife will just be a wife and then you'll be the greatest thing ever. Maybe I'm one of those people that people came to go to hell. I don't know. But for 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 myself, religious wise, I'm a Christian. I pay my tithe. I I I pray. I fast. I do all those things. Those people who call themselves holy do. I follow the word of God. The only sin that people think I'm doing, I'm I sleeping with love. He's loving a man. My, my own understanding, love is love. It doesn't matter who gives it to you as long as you're getting it. Because for a person to be fulfilled, it's either you have to love or to be loved. I'm not sinning. I'm just trying to make a living. I am gay and I am here to be who I am. I'm saving my purpose on earth. So, people have to stop listening to what they are told and start thinking on their own. 
so many people out there with of sex are victimized every day, abused, raped, are being infected with all kinds of diseases like HIV, STIs. You can't report to anyone about it. No one is there to listen to any gay sex work. Basically, as sex workers, we really don't have somewhere to run to. We are people living in a dangerous world without any protection. It's like playing with stones at a glass house. That's the kind of life we're living. There's no one to really say, this is what has happened to me, can you please help me with this and this and this and this. They know we exist. We don't have that kind of help. If we had, like someone who's going to help, who would stand up for us, we need legal advice, we need health, we need safe spaces. It's not all about us going every day to sell sex. We need just to sit as sex workers, discuss. So what are you encountering every day? What are you meeting? Tell me. So when you had that STI, who did you talk to about it? So did you get any medication? Did you go to the clinic? We need someone, like like you said, legal advice. I went to a guy, he didn't pay me. Or I went to the guy, he started abusing me, he started beating me up. Look at all these bruises. We need someone to guide us. No, guys, if you see this thing happens, the Constitution, it's not all about reading. Some of us might be able to read, but not understand what the, 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 the whole paper says. We need someone to say, no, you see section A point, whatever, says this, 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 this. It also protects you as gay men and sex workers, as a man, as a human being. As a, you have got your rights. You've been abused. You have to go and report it. Okay, so fine, if I'm going to report about this kind of abuse, what's my approach? What do I say? How do I defend myself? We don't have anyone doing that. In Zimbabwe, right now, this is our current situation. We are left with our stories hidden. We are left with our abuse. Our abusers going free, walking in the streets of Ferrari, smiling, seeing us. We need to be heard. We need to be loved. We need to be talked to. We need to be treated as People too. We are people too. At the end of the day, we are people too. We have got rights as human beings. We are working to, to build Zimbabwe. If I get money from sex work, I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm, I'm, I'm making it, I'm using it to buy food. It's rotating. It's going to other people. Why can't other people also do that the same? Give me those kind of services like love. Listen to me when I'm talking. Know that I exist. Know that I am here. I need to be heard. There are pressures of being a father and the pressures of being a gay man and a gay, a gay sex worker. I'll start with being a father. It's one of the most amazing things that I think that has ever happened to me because I feel like I've got a big reason to live now because I have children. They want to go to school. They want clothes. They want to eat. So they're all looking at me for all those things. So, with the kind of situation that we have in Zimbabwe right now, you find out that I'm, I might be going to work, or fine, they're giving me that little money that I have. I'm staying in Arari, rents are, are, are very expensive in Arari. I need to pay my rent, I need to eat, I need transport money to go to work. The children need money for preschool now. Two of them are now going to preschool. They need something in their lunch boxes. They need winter uniforms, summer uniforms. It's going to be raining very soon. They need rain costs. They need transport to be going to school. They can't be going with public transport. So you see the way by 
I'm getting where I'm working $300, $250 at the end of the day. It's not enough. I'm a nurse's assistant. I'm also a palliative care officer. I also do home nursing. That's what I do. I really enjoy doing that job so much. So I, 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 I say to myself, I want to stop this whole sexual thing and just be a gay man. But the moment I try to stop, things get hard. Then I find myself going back again there. Because there's no one who will always come to rescue financially. As a father, I don't ever, I don't even want to give them reasons to like discriminate or deny me. That's why I always try to give them the best. I don't take my gay six week life to them. To them, I'm a father. Into the world, I'm a sex worker. But my kind of relationship with them is like any normal father. I know the kind of disadvantages I've encountered growing up without my father. I don't want my children to go through that same process too. I want them to enjoy me while I'm here. I want them to enjoy me when I'm here. When I'm with them, I'm, I'm there. I focus mainly on them and not on anything else. I know if I maybe I've grown up with my father, yes, I'll still be gay, but I'll be a different person. So I don't want them to blame me tomorrow, say, that's why you're like this, because you didn't do this. That's why you deprived us of this, because you're busy doing this. I want them to respect me even the day I see them don't say, this is who I am. Say, it's okay. This is who you are. We accept you. I've always wanted to leave Zimbabwe. I've always wanted to stay far away from Zimbabwe, where I'm liberated with my children, where they can also... I don't know what the future will be. One of them is, is a lesbian. I want them to enjoy life. I want to work hard. Yes, I have said it before. This is my work. This is my welfare, my body. But I also like caring for the sick. I also like taking care of them, cooking for them, looking after them, nursing them. But I'm deprived of doing that because even if I put my hard work in there, I can't put my A work because I'm not paid. I'm not getting breaks at work. I'm not getting enough money. So I'm just doing it now because it's my passion, something that I like doing. But given an opportunity... I would really like to start my own nursing home or my own small clinic where it caters for the sick and the gay community. Being a gay man is one of the best things that has ever happened to me. I have been exposed to the world, to meeting new people. I've had so much fun that I think I would never hear, I would, I would, I would have had if I was a straight man. I'm meeting unique people. It's what gets me by in life as a gay man, meeting other gay people. It's also knowing that I'm not alone. It's thousands, if not millions of us out there. Sharing my story is because I want someone, maybe 20 generations to come, to know that I existed. I once struggled. I once sold sex. I was once victimized by family, by friends. I was once forced into marriage. It happened. Maybe in the next 10, 25 years to come, we might be 
behave a constitution and say, no, gay men are not allowed to get married. I may not be there. Sharing my story is about me wanting people to enjoy what we suffered for, what we fought for, getting arrested, getting victimized by family, finding it hard to tell your own mother, someone who you really care about, who you really are. So, sex work has its own advantages and disadvantages. You might get someone who is really genuine, just wanting to buy sex from you, and someone who really wants to experiment with you. And by experimenting, some don't, they just want the idea of just having sex with a man, but they've never done it. And by doing it, they don't know the protective barriers to use or the other the lubrications to use. They just want to do it raw, just like that. They think maybe women and men are the same when just having sex. It's a whole I'll just insert it and then it's just, let's just do it. So you, you can't even complain because there's no one to complain to. So it's kind of hard. It's something fun at times, but it's really hard being gay. It's basically, before I even say sex worker, it's hard being gay in Zimbabwe. It's as they, 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 they consider it as a sin. So you are sinning and putting more sin on a sin. You are double sinning. I want a commitment whereby I'm only with one person. But to me, it's like I keep telling myself I can't because no one would want a situation by he's with someone who's already damaged. It's something that I keep telling myself maybe. Maybe there's someone out there who loves me, but I haven't met him yet. Would you fall in love with who you are? Me. Oh yes, I will. I'm an honest person. I always tell. I think when I find someone like me, who's honest about what, about everyone's gonna pass, I would really settle for that. It's like what I always tell my friends that even if I meet someone who's honest enough to tell me that he's HIV positive, I'll date him. Cause I'll know the do's and the don'ts. Rather than dating someone who's not open about their, their status. I haven't found the right person I think yet, but if I do, I'll settle. But not any time soon. <laughs> is it a is it a it for a when? <laughs> when when I find the right person. When I do I will. Because I always fall for the wrong people. That's the problem. So when when the time comes and when I meet the right person, I will. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Thank you for listening to my story. I hope it will change all your lives. There's a lot to feel from this man's story a lot to think about a lot to reflect on growing up in uh, a family that had girls and his dad was elusive wasn't close to him feeling that men had good things to offer him knowing he was different from such a young age and accepting that very early on and uh, struggling with himself even earlier representing as heterosexual getting children 
his idea of fatherhood and why he wants to show up for his children. The space for homosexuals in the church. Mm. Big one. Very, very big one. In fact, it is so big that this coming Monday, I have uh, recorded a video conversation on a different perspective on homosexuality that you need to look at. Subscribe on our YouTube channel, Nothing Underneath Podcast, and just listen to me take you through something that is not in our everyday conversation regarding queerness that I'd love to invite all of us into. So get on YouTube right now, look for Nothing Underneath Podcast and subscribe, put your notifications on so that on Monday when the episode drops, you'll be there. Now, from the story we heard today, I need us to critically think, and especially here today in Africa, just how we betray so many children who identify differently from the heteronormative ideas or lenses of who people ought to be. This is a guy who knew from a very young age that he liked men that way, romantically, erotically. By the age of 18, he was already doing business with men, sexually. They prayed for him. They took him to church. <laughs> and even with all that praying, it didn't change his gayness. And I need us to think about that. The number of times we are having to pray for our children who have been sent away from school because of suspicion that they are gay. Especially the boys. And of course, girls as well. There are so many people living in extremely loud silence, fearing to express their authenticity, to express their colorfulness, just because we do not have space for them. In the YouTube video that is coming out on Monday, I talk about how we perceive being heterosexual with being right with being above everybody else. And yet, just from the fact that human beings are complex and that we are in nature, it only makes sense. We will have different, diverse variations of how we express ourselves. How we show up is going to be different. This idea of sameness is incredibly violent to the health of a huge chunk of human beings that have already been born and they are having to fight so hard to fit into these very narrow boxes of who they're supposed to be that have been set up on this earth. Can we think about this? And this is a story I wish all African parents can listen to. Because it's also interesting that they went to the witch doctor and the witch doctor said, why are you trying to change this boy? He is who he is. And you can see that the witch doctor was a woman, but he was referred to as a man. You know that? Maybe he was trans. <laughs> or maybe they were trans, if I was to use the proper pronouns. 
Life is just large. It's like we've been trying so hard to hold on to a dead flower. Yeah, this flower is great, but then we are not watering it and it's dying. And we are insisting that we have to keep it even though it's not being watered. Cuz life is so much more and if it doesn't flow, we die. If we are not flowing, we are dying. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 4 of the Nothing Underneath podcast. This was quite a compelling story and I just loved how he ended it. He wished that his story is going to change our lives. It did change me. One thing I didn't um include was the fact that the story got to me in 2022 if I'm not wrong and I got it from uh you know i was linked to this guy by uh, a zimbabwean researcher who works with uh, male sex workers in harare i've sat with it for so long and then finally i get the opportunity to to express it to share it with all of you because this guy's story is just one of a kind and i know there are so many other queer people out there with stories you've never heard of and perhaps it's a call to all of us to just put our heads up and say i would love to learn because the information we were given about what identities are for people is incredibly limited and violent for most parts and that has caused so much chaos in this world till next time share the podcast with your friends with your loved ones I hope to see you soon.